morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this podcast. Um, we are in the season finale of People and Penny. So um, we've had a really great season and on today's episode, I have with me. Please introduce yourself and your business. Alright, um, nice to be here. My name is Olago Kibalogo. I'm a co-founder and CEO of SoFresh. Um, SoFresh is Nigeria's pioneer and leading healthy food restaurant chain mm-hmm. um, where we provide fresh, healthy meals to our customers across um, Lagos and Abuja, um, Nigeria. We have about 14 locations right now. Mm-hmm. And we serve meals like salads, juices, smoothies, parfait, wraps, sandwiches, and a whole range of, you know, very healthy and yummy meals. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that from the first time I saw so fresh, I was very, very interested in the business model because I know, I don't know, maybe it's the same with other families, but I know that generally in Nigerian homes, they've not always paid too much attention to things like healthy eating or healthy living. And we would watch Food Network. I would just see white people eating greens and salads. You're just like... What are these people doing? Don't they have rice? Don't they have curry? So I really want to know how the dream for so fresh started. Um, very, very, very interesting question. Um, the so so fresh started as a uh, farmers market. Basically, we wanted to bring in fruits, vegetables, and other food items in a very organized, you know, serene environment. So we started out selling whole fruits. Um, whole vegetables um, and some other, you know, um, food items, all fresh uh, from the farm, spices, herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but quickly on, we found out that our customers wanted something slightly different. They wanted ready prepared meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we responded to what the customer needed, even though we had gone into the market with a different plan. So we started experimenting. This was 2010. Um, if you could cast your minds back, you didn't have salad was not even food people didn't exactly. consider salad as food it was at best you had coleslaw mm-hmm. and coleslaw is not even rich it was mm-hmm. just you know cabbage and carrots with you know this uh, this egg salad dressing that was all by the side of jello fries at fats that was the height of salads in 2010 but then we started experimenting with juices with smoothies and then we you know started doing fruit packs and then, you know, um, as, you know, from 2010 to 20, you know, 12, 13, the awareness around, you know, healthy food and the impact of what we eat, you know, the impact it has on our well-being um, globally, you know, yeah. started increasing. So we responded to the market and we started experimenting with other types of meals that, you know, people could have, you know, salads yeah. and all of that. So that basically that was how the business started. Okay, that's like, um, that's really interesting. And from what you said now, it was like the market was just really prime for people to be able to receive the idea of SoFresh a bit more better. But I want to talk about like the first few years when people started making the parfaits, the salads and everything. I want to know what the reception was like on an average, um, how people were just receptive to the idea of, okay, um, you should swap this out for us. And what was just the strategy that people went into the market with? Okay, so the reception wasn't great when we started. So, um, you know, I said we started just selling fruits and yes. vegetables. 
and we weren't able to attract the kind of customers we wanted. Interestingly, around us, we had a lot of um, 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 traditional markets. So there was mm -hmm. one big market around us. We started in Ogba. So there was this big Ogba Sunday market. Mm -hmm. And people would prefer to go shop for their fruits and vegetables. One, um, they could, you know, argue over prices and yes. maybe get a better deal. But ours was like a supermarket grocery store setting. There was mm -hmm. no negotiation. Um, allowed and then I mean those guys went to the farm every day and so sometimes find out that their you know produce was fresher than what we used to do what we used to have back then and so it was it was tough at the beginning but when we started switching into you know the juices the smoothies you know that would that was that was moderately received but again not a lot of Nigerians were very conscious you know back then so it took a while for the idea to be well received and you know uh, for people to really embrace it actually it took about um two to three years and you know one of the things that drove that was you know i'd mentioned the global awareness around the impact of the food we eat where it comes from how it's prepared the ingredients that make it up the impact it has on our lives and one thing we also did was we we focused a lot on educating the audience. Mm -hmm. um, so there was early days of, you know, um, Instagram and yeah. commerce and social media. And we're one of the very few voices back in 2013, 14, 15, really educating people about, you know, the benefits of eating um, these types of foods, mm -hmm. including in, in your meal and all of that. So. One of the strategies that worked for us, well, we did a lot of education, a lot of advocacy. We immersed ourselves in the industry. So fitness, you know, we're always at fitness events, you know, just preaching, you know, the, the gospel of, you know, fresh air or the food. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it did work, you know, yeah. Okay. Um, the thing about um, your kind of business is, at the end of the day, it's very capital intensive. So I, I want to talk about funding right now and how you people navigated funding in the early days. You The business model you first started out with was supplying veggies and just fruits at first before launching into preparing them. So I want to know how you're able to gather funding to start because for most people who might have those kind of ideas, right, just think about, oh, how much it might cost them maybe to start liaising with farmers that to start working with and all of that. So I want to know how you navigated funding. Did you have a stash somewhere or <laughs> did you have people that got into the dream? Um, okay. Um, so I think that, that, that was um, one of the things we did quite well. Um, we had a good plan. We knew how much we needed. Um, in fact, the very first draft of the plan we wanted required much more than we could afford. And then we asked ourselves, um, we'll have to start with what we have. And so we, we had a fair idea of what we, what we needed to get going. Um, I was working at the time. Um, I was in paid employment. Um, my wife was running um, our own um, law firm, a private practice. And so in between us, you know, um, the savings were made over time. So we, we started with our savings, which was enough to start at that point. We had thought of, you know, should we get money? Um, should I do cooperative where I was working? Should we, you know, approach law and banks? But we thought, let's see what we can do with what we have. So we basically yeah. pulled our resources together. I, mean, I had a very good job, you know, to be honest. I was working in the oil and gas, you know, yeah. industry. So I had, you know, very good um, uh, savings together with what, you know, she was also doing. 
And um, so we started with what we had, which was um, our own savings. Um, about two, three years into that, we needed some extra financing. We basically got it from, you know, family. You know, um, we got, you know, some loan from the family. We were able to repay back in about six months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so in the very early days, that was how we, we funded it. And, you know, I had mentioned that, you know, we we had we had good jobs. So we were able to fund the business mm-hmm. from, you know, you know, uh, even part of the job. At a point in time, it even became problematic, like, is this business making money? We're just, you know, like pouring money from our savings yeah. and all of that. But I mean, for us, that was that was how we funded it in the early days. Okay. Um. Thank God you mentioned oil and gas because I was said I was gonna ask, how did you like? How did you make that transition from oil and gas to the food industry? Like, I wanted to I want to know what prompted you, what made you so interested, and you're like, you know what? Is enough to quit like a secure job in oil and gas? To come and dive deep into the water yeah. so yeah that's one of those crazy that. things um entrepreneurs do and you know um, at that point you're doing it it looked like you know the best thing to do so for me the the business idea i had it before i um, even got my first job immediately mm-hmm. i left school um, i had the business idea but then i packed it and then i did my first job i did my second job by the time i was on my third job you know I got married and long and short of it is that I didn't find fulfillment and satisfaction with what I was doing. It was paying me so well, but I also thought that, you know, with the gifts, you know, the capacity I had, I could do more. Yeah. And, and so that brought back the idea and, you know, I shared it with my wife, you know, she really liked the idea and decided to go into it together. So, I mean, th- th- that was the prompt. And so we started it. Even when I started it, um, we didn't have, like, a clear plan to say I was going to leave at this point. Mm-hmm. It was like, let's stand and let's see how this thing evolves. By the time we had done it for about five years on the site, I mean, it was really more of a side business. And because of the, you know, my schedule, it was easy for me to run. So I did two weeks on, I did two weeks off. So the two weeks I was off, I was 100% in the business. Mm-hmm. The two weeks I was on duty, um, my man, my wife managed the business. That was how we were running it. Um, and then, I mean, um, by the time I had done it for five years, and then we saw that um, there was potential, there was growth, um, I just decided to make the move. Um, let me commit to this fully and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I left my work in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, how many branches does so fresh have in Nigeria currently? Now we have 14. 14 branches. That's a lot of branches for, a lot for, of branches. for a food outlet that doesn't do the normal everyday Nigerian meal. It is a lot of branches. So, I, I want to talk about growth and expansion. Um, how, how did that process look for you people? When did you say, okay, I think we have enough Within to be able to open another branch here or even go to another city entirely. So I just really want to understand how growth looks like for so Great. I mean, so a number of things, you know, um, just aligned. Um, like I said, we, we had not done this for five years. Yes. And mm-hmm. the growth was there. Um, we could, even at that point, it was, it was really difficult to satisfy the demand. We had just two locations, one on the mainland, Ikoi, mm-hmm. uh, island Ikoi, and one on the mainland of Kwebi, where we where we are currently um and then you know we, we had seen the potential 
And around that time, you also had like that, you know, um, boom in, in the health and wellness industry. Everybody was talking about, you know, just more than even weight loss around, you know, just, you know, living healthy, mm -hmm. choosing a healthier lifestyle. The awareness was, you know, um, everywhere. Um, so it was just the right time. We had the demand was there. Uh, we looked at our numbers, you know, they were very good. We, um, the, the, the two outlets we had were growing at a very, you know, fast pace. And we knew that there was more potential, you know, in, in the market, the demand was growing. And around that time, we had now started having other businesses, you know, also now doing what we were doing because we, we started, we pioneered the industry yeah. and they now had other smaller businesses. And I was okay, this, this is an opportunity for us to, to grow and expand. And yeah, so we, we, we saw that, you know, this was right for the market and we, we started to dive in. I mean, so in 2018, we raised our funding. Yes from equity investors. Now we have done this for seven years. We have proved the concept. We had shown that, you know, we could um, build this, we could replicate this. You know, the model was clear, the demand was clear. And so we raised funding in 2018 to you know, further grow the business. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask, because I always love to ask this for businesses that are obviously a bit more established now. When would you say was like an aha moment, like, oh, we are doing well, we are really, really onto something. Could you recall one moment that will always stand out for you so far on your entrepreneurial journey? Um, honestly, there are many moments. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about, I mean, the, the, so we had done, like I said, we had done this for about seven years. We had just two locations. Mm -hmm. And then in was 2017, I know it was 2017, we opened the third location. But it was the fourth one because we opened a small location in the airport. But you know, within the town, we opened the third location, which was Yaba. And from the day one, we opened that location. Mm -hmm. um, like sales was just great. The traffic, the reception. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> this is now real, this is yes. not a fluke, you know, we are done. And then every and then we went to Abuja was the same thing. Mm -hmm. Then I went to um Lekki in the Lekki phase one. And round two was exactly the same thing. I mean, that was an okay, this has come. And I, I think the other one that really um well is is dear to my heart. So the pandemic happened. Yeah. And then um we shut down completely in you know, March and you know our 25th or 26th of March and we're closed for about two, three weeks. Mm -hmm. Zero sales. Everywhere was locked down. But of course, because we we're a food business, we were allowed to open. So we opened back up yeah. um, three weeks after. And yeah, um, it was like people were waiting for us to come out. We were doing, you know, just delivery because people are not moving around. Yes. And the business picked back up. And I, then I told my man, I told my wife, walk together and said, okay, this is real now. So <laughs> for the first time in like 10 years, we yeah. were completely gone. And now we are back and people are back with us. So I mean, those two moments for me were, were amazing. Okay. So I, I want to talk about navigating challenges now. Because a food business is is really like 
for lack of a better word, I'll say it's a very high risk business. My, my, my friend calls it war. He tells me that I'm fighting a daily war. <laughs> yes, it's a daily war because I mean, food doesn't have a lot of shelf life and um, definitely healthy eating. So, no such thing as preservatives and all of that. So, I want to understand how you were able to manage, okay, um, trying to just reduce um, spoilage and wastage. Given the kind of industry you supported, yeah. I'm um, rightly said, um, very, very high risk, especially what we do um, for the businesses, you know, let's take rice, mm-hmm. can store it, um, and all of that. For us, we have, you know, very short, you know, lifespan. Uh, and so it, it's, 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 it's a model we've worked over the years. Um, we know what works. Um, we've, um, so in terms of spoilage, one is around, you know, you know, Buying, buying properly, mm-hmm. knowing what to buy. Um, so let me just give you an example. Um, for example, if you're going to buy avocados, for example, um, I want, um, and I go to the market, and I listen for four days, I need about 20 avocados. I'm not going to buy a ripe, 20 ripe avocados. Yes. I'm going to buy 10 ripe, 10, 10 semi-ripe. Mm-hmm. And so that way, you know, you're able to, you know, keep, keep, keep the very extended shelf life. So, um, knowing the business, knowing your products and your raw materials, what works for it, and, you know, um, understanding, you know, demand, um, and, you know, doing a proper forecast of the business. And so you buy right, you store right, and then, um, know your numbers so you're able to forecast you know properly uh, what you will need that's in terms of in terms of you know preservation and all of that and for us one of our key problems is freshness so we're very big on that so we have a rich network of suppliers you know farmers in our network and um, we receive produce multiple times a week mm-hmm. so that we we don't keep any produce for more than three days mm-hmm. we don't keep any produce most of the time is within a period of two days so that it's always fresh yeah um and that's why you will see that you know if, if you take so fresh smoothie now i'm doing marketing <laughs> and, and smoothie, um, there's a big difference because we're very big on freshness a lot of people to, to do that you know they freeze the ingredients we yes. never freeze ingredients for our smoothies so yeah it's something we just learned and you know it's tough it's hard but we've gotten the hang of it and it's a mm-hmm. promise to the customer that we have to fulfill. Okay. Um, so um, we are backing up this um, episode soon. So I, I want to know, aside this food, the food um, shelf life and you know making sure that products are fresh, I want to know what has been your biggest challenge so far. Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everybody always say Nigeria? <laughs> At this point, I, I'm tempted to become different for Nigeria. Anytime a business says it, wait to That's my biggest challenge. <laughs> <laughs> How has Nigeria been your biggest challenge? Please enlighten us. Uh, I mean, so uh, it, it's it's a very difficult environment to, to run a business uh, from from the infrastructural um, deficits. Uh, so you are having. And for a food business, for example, mm-hmm. um, you're having to replicate a, a lot of cost in every single branch you can open. Um, power is what you know about. So I have to have a power, backup mm-hmm. power, and a backup to the backup power. <laughs> uh, because someone walks in, they don't want to know why there's no power. And yeah, it's exactly. so fresh out there. And because of what we do is fresh fruits, you know, things have to be cold, frozen, mm-hmm. all of that. You know, 
Um, so infrastructure is, is, a, is a very big thing. Um, even water, every single outlet has to have, you know, portable, you know, high standard water. So we have water treatment plants, you know, in all our locations, no matter how small they are. So I mean, just everything around the world that, you know, um, it, it's quite challenging. You know, but moving away from Nigeria, um, um, well, obviously still in Nigeria, um, I mean, we're not a, we're not a very rich country. So, um, if you talk to many entrepreneurs that have, you know, that have, that have, that have you know, experience and have done this for a, a long while, you, you, you will agree that one of the biggest competition you have is non-consumption. So people are not, people just don't have enough. Yeah, to buy. To buy. Um, and so that that's also a challenge. Um, and, you know, so Nigeria needs to work for all of us so that, you know, um, businesses can thrive and, and all of that. And people, um, people, um, people can also be a challenge sometimes. Talents, um, having, you know, the, the right talents. Um, so, for example, the, the industry we're in, we use a lot of you know entry level talents. Um, so sometimes you know um, secondary school levels mm-hmm. or people that just you know, completed two years of higher education and all of that, and you find a lot of gap between you know the skills and competences they possess, you know, and what what the industry needs. Even though it's like entry level jobs, mm-hmm. we have to spend a lot of effort mm-hmm. and. By by nature of the business, you know, worldwide, this is a business that you know at that entry level people don't stay for long. So people mm-hmm. have a span of like one to two years, but we spend the first six months doing training, you know, getting them up to speed. Now, you know, you know they are yeah. they are good at what they do, and then they are ready to leave <laughs> because at that level you know, they are either leaving back to school or something. Yes. So, I mean, there 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 are a whole lot of you know challenges around that as well. Um, so, final question, I think, before we wrap up this episode and season. Um, what has been your biggest lesson so far running so fresh? Um, my, my biggest lesson came very, very early in the business. Um, one of it is that at the end of the day, uh, you're going into business, it's all about the customer. The customer wins, the market wins. So, it's very important to find out what the customer really wants and constantly talking to the customer, getting their feedback. If you remember, I said that when we started, we, we started with a different plan. Yes. But on getting to the market, within a space of one month, we knew exactly what the market was asking from us. And we were flexible enough to respond on time. Yeah. And so um, it has been, you know, like a a call for so fresh to always, you know, actively don't even wait for customers to give you feedback. Actively seek out for, for the feedback. Engage them, talk to them, observe them in your space. If you have a physical space, if they shop online, if they talk to your reps online, observe it. You will learn a lot, you know, from observing the customer, talking to the customer. Okay. Um, how would you advise any other um, small business owner who is looking to do something similar to what Supresh is doing in the food industry or they have like unique ideas of their own too, how would you just advise them to start or to keep going? Um, the first thing is to start. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, 
there's nothing like starting and you know doing but also before you start you know um, have a plan um, do a lot of research do your homework learn about the industry not everything um so a lot of time as an outsider in the business it appears to you that this thing is easy to do there is no easy business that is easy to do last week i was talking to a friend runs a farm feels he can get more by selling directly to customers and i just let him know that you know, selling directly to customers via e-commerce online mm-hmm. platform is a completely different business from running and growing plants so yeah. um, understand the business you're going into do your research if you're able to you know find people in that industry that can guide you you know do that um and then, like I said, you talk to the customers when when you start when you do start your business. Make sure you are listening to the customers, yeah. what they're saying, what they're not saying, so that you can refine your product continuously. And you know the, the thing about business is, if for business to grow, it has to continue to evolve. Um, so you're evolving, you're making your products better, you're making your services better. You're constantly updating yourself with what's happening in your industry, what is happening outside of your industry, and what's happening generally in the business world. So, you know, information and knowledge is very key to running a successful business. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an advice and it's also a warning. It never ends, it just keeps <laughs> going on and on. You cannot stop when you're doing business. Yeah. You cannot stop to learn, you cannot stop to go. The moment to stop, someone else is coming. To overtake you. <laughs> Have you guys heard that? <laughs> Don't be overtaking. Thank you so much for coming um, as a guest for our season finale. Thank you all so much for an amazing season. If there are any episodes that you've missed, you can always find People and Penny on every platform that you listen to your podcast. And we'll see you for our third season. Thank you.